take your Bible, please, and go to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 21. We'll start at verse 10 tonight. Praise the Lord. Luke 21, verse 10 tonight. I want to give you a prophetic download tonight. I'm going to go to various portions of Scripture and help us to see some of the word of God as it relates to uh, the things we are seeing in our world and uh, shared last week about the great uh, sign of the rebirth of the nation of Israel and how that was a sign to us of uh, God's power and the fulfillment of the of the birth of the rebirth of Israel is uh, just one of the many uh, really hundreds of prophecies in the Bible. And we're seeing them fulfilled throughout history. We see them fulfilled around us. And there are many yet to be fulfilled, which will be fulfilled. And tonight, I don't want you to be ignorant of the things happening in our world. And I want us to understand what the Bible teaches and what Jesus taught us. And here in Luke chapter 21, verse 10, Jesus says, Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogue and prisons and bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. And it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your mind not to prepare beforehand to defend yourself. For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and they will put you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not one hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your life. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are in the midst of the city must leave. And those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of vengeance, so that all things will be that have written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled under the foot of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth a dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves and men fainting from fear and expectation of the things which are coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Say amen somebody. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. 
Father, we thank you for your life-giving word tonight, and we pray that you would give us the anointing of the Spirit to receive the word of God taught. And I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God tonight. Father, we pray that you would give us that same discernment that was in the children of the tribe of Issachar, that those men, the Bible says, understood their times. And so we pray today that we would also understand the times in which we live and prepare our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. I'm calling it a prophetic download because there are a lot of things we're going to talk about tonight, and a lot, as you can see, that we just read there, uh, which you almost could uh, say we're reading the headlines of daily newspapers. And this is certainly a significant time that you and I are living in. And I would say that from uh, the beginning of the pandemic until now, we have seen the world in constant upheaval, constant uh, change and transition. How many of you would agree with that? And so we would have to be uh, either deceived or blind or ignorant to not understand that we are living in critical times. Now, someone that might ask, well, are we living in the last days? Uh, the answer is yes, because the apostle uh, Peter said that these are those things which were spoken of in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He said that in Acts chapter 2. So technically speaking, the last days is everything from the day of Pentecost to now. So you are living in the last days. So is everybody else since uh, the day of Pentecost. But you see some significant things, and I know I'm kind of being a little uh, tongue-in-cheek with that because uh, obviously when you ask, are we in the last days, we're talking about, are, you know, are we living at the, at the last of the, uh, at what people call the end of the world and so on. And when you see the things that are spoken of here, uh, Jesus certainly gives us a great number of signs uh, that are to announce to us the uh, transition of the times. And so, uh, first of all, I want to deal with this fact. And when we talk about the last days, we're not talking about the end of the world. Okay, when we talk about the last days, we're talking about the end of the dispensation. In the Bible, there are seven dispensations. And uh, each dispensation began uh, with, a, with a judgment from God, uh, or ends with a judgment from God. And so the dispensation that we're in right now is dispensation, uh, is the dispensation of grace. You and I are living in the dispensation of grace, also known as the time of the Gentiles. And uh, this dispensation has, uh, has gone from the time of Christ, and it's going to go until the rapture of the church. And so after that dispensation will come another dispensation. That will be the dispensation of the kingdom. And that dispensation will last a thousand years. All right, so if, uh, if Jesus returned or uh, if the rapture occurred tonight, uh, that would mean that Jesus would return physically to the earth in about seven years. And then there would be a thousand years of the reign of Christ. So the earth is not, or the world is not ending, okay? Uh, you and I are not expecting, we're not looking for the end of the world. We're looking for the end of the dispensation. This dispensation is called the dispensation of grace because during this time, uh, God has 
uh, given the world an opportunity to be saved by grace through faith. How many of you have been saved? And that is why it's called the dispensation of grace. Prior to this was the dispensation of the law by which men were saved through uh, their faith in Christ and, or their faith in God and their uh, keeping of the law. But now we're living in the dispensation of grace. It's also called the time of the Gentiles. And Jesus makes reference to it right here in verse 24. And he says that Jerusalem will be trampled under the feet of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles has been fulfilled. And so this is the time of the Gentiles we're living in right now. The uh, prophetic program of God. For the saving of the nations is happening right now. It's been happening for the last 2,000 years. And the nations have been experiencing a, a revival that has been taking place throughout history in different nations. And the gospel has been preached and proclaimed. I want you to think about it like this. Uh, if, you, if you have uh, your geography uh, class in mind, some of you might not remember this. But if, uh, if you leave Jerusalem and you start moving toward the Mediterranean, you are traveling west. And so look at the gospel. The gospel went from Jerusalem westward to Turkey. That's Asia Minor. Greece, Rome, eventually uh, uh, Europe was uh, inundated with the gospel. And uh, Britain and all of those nations came to be powerfully shaken by God uh, through the gospel. And then a little ship called the Mayflower crossed the Atlantic. And uh, and the gospel came into the North American continent through the Puritans and the, the, the pilgrims, as we call them. And God established uh, in them the desire to start a new nation. That nation became the United States of America, a nation established on God's word and God's uh, truths. Amen, somebody. And through that nation, God touched the nations of the world. Uh, and and the, the gospel has continued to move and has gone into Asia uh, over the last 100 years, Asia has experienced mighty revivals. Some of the largest churches in the world. I attended a church uh, in Asia. Uh, as a young man, I attended an underground church where about 200 people stood in a room smaller or about the half the size of this platform, side to side um, like sardines. And I got to preach uh, to that church. Why would people go to church like that? Because there was a revival taking place and is a revival taking place in the continent of Asia. And uh, I also got to attend a service. Uh, I didn't preach there, but I uh, attended a service in South Korea, the, one of the largest churches at the time, the largest church in the world with a million members. Imagine a church with a million members. And, and then uh, the, the, the gospel is going to continue moving west. It's going to cross Asia, and it's going to come back to Jerusalem. It's going to come back to the nation of Israel. And when that happens, uh, the nation of Israel is going to return uh, to Christ. But that's going to take place after the rapture of the church. Because I want you to understand that the movement of the gospel has continued. And you and I have ex uh, experienced this move of God throughout history. And our life is now a part of that. But we're living in the time of the Gentiles. And what did Jesus say? He said the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. I want you to underline that word in verse 24. Because every time God sets has a beginning and an end. And whether that's your life or the life of a nation or the 
uh, dispensation, it all has a date when it's going to expire. And the day is coming when the Gentiles are going to come to the end of their time, of their program. Dice ahí el verso 24 que hay un tiempo de los gentiles. Estamos viviendo en ese tiempo. Ese tiempo no sabemos qué tan largo es. Ya ha, ya ha sido un, cerca de, 20, de, de 2,000 años. Pero tendrá su fin. Cuando llegue el rapto de la iglesia, se termina el tiempo de los gentiles. When the rapture of the church comes, you will know that the time of the Gentiles has come to an end. And here's what Jesus said. He said specifically, Jerusalem would be under the feet of Gentiles. And if you look at the history of the nation of Israel, you'll remember that Jesus said about the temple that it would be destroyed. And he said not one stone will be left upon another. And that happened physically, literally, in the year 70 A.D. The Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem and they dispersed the uh, the Jewish nation. And that city of Jerusalem has been controlled by the Gentiles or has at least had Gentile powers in it until now. Even today, though, though Jerusalem is the, uh, the capital city of the nation of Israel, it still has Gentile powers. And, and even quite literally, if you go to the city of Jerusalem, you will see that there is a Jewish quarter, a Christian quarter, an Armenian quarter, and an Arab quarter. And now, there are Gentiles in the city of Jerusalem. But the day is coming when that city will be restored uh, to the Jewish people to whom it belongs. And, uh, and this is what Jesus was prophesying. That's why that city is so significant and why it's always been in conflict. And uh, why it was so significant that the United States would move its embassy to Jerusalem. Because we were saying that this is the capital of the nation of Israel. And I don't have the time to go through all of that with you tonight. But only so you can understand that when you watch things on the news, you see these conflicts playing out. It is the words of Christ literally being fulfilled before your eyes. Now, as I relate to this fact, we're living in the age of the church, the age of grace, the age of the Gentiles. This dispensation is going to end. And when it ends, uh, we are going to enter into a period uh, that is going to lead to the uh, kingdom of Christ being established on the earth for a thousand years. But before Christ returns, after the rapture of the church, there's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation. And you've probably heard about it. During that period of time, there will be 21 judgments that are going to be uh, uh, placed upon the earth. And these 21 judgments are going to come from Christ. They're going to be upon the nations of the earth one-third of the earth's population will be destroyed during that time. Después del rapto de la iglesia, se termina la hora de los gentiles y va a haber un juicio sobre la tierra. Siete años de tribulación. Y durante esos siete años van a haber 21 juicios terribles sobre la tierra. Una tercera parte de toda la humanidad va a ser destruida. And during that time, the Holy Spirit is going to bring revival to the nation of Israel. And they're going to see Christ, uh, begin to believe in Christ as their Messiah. Durante ese tiempo, las naciones, uh, la nación de Israel va a tener un avivamiento y van a conocer a Jesucristo como su Salvador. But the Gentile nations are going to harden their heart to Christ. Las naciones gentiles van a endurecer su corazón hacia Dios. 
Y ese tiempo de, de, de juicio será el fin de esta uh, dispensación. So that will be a judgment. Just like every dispensation is ended in judgment. So this dispensation will also end in judgment. And after that uh, seven years, I told you last, year, last week that Jesus Christ will return uh, to the earth physically and literally. Después de esos siete años, Jesucristo va a regresar al mundo literalmente y físicamente. Y Él va a establecer su reino por mil años. He's going to establish a, year, uh, uh, a kingdom that's going to last for a thousand years. You've heard of Obamacare? Well, this is going to be way better than Obamacare. We're going to have Jesus care. Imagine a thousand years where the devil is bound, where Jesus is sitting on the throne, he's the ruler of the earth, where the healthcare system is run by, uh, by God. The Bible says that in those days, a, a child will be a hundred years old. That means people are going to live a long time. Now, you and I will already have been raptured, all right? And when Jesus returns to the earth in the second coming, we're coming back with him. No longer as mortals, but as immortal, glorified saints. Say amen, somebody. The Bible says we're going to reign with him for those thousand years. So who knows, you might have to, you have a job to do in the millennium. Now here's what I want you to think, think about. How many dispensations did I say there were? 21, seven, oh, seven dispensations. 21 judgments, but seven dispensations. And which one are we in right now? We're at number six. How many days in a week? Seven days in a week. And how many, uh, which day was the day of rest for the Jews? The seventh day, the Sabbath. The millennial kingdom will be the Sabbath millennium, a thousand years of Sabbath, a thousand years of rest. And what all the the Uh, world rulers have been unable to do and all the kingdoms of the earth have been unable to do, Jesus Christ will do. It will bring peace to the earth for a thousand years. Listen, we're getting real close to the end of that dispensation. Now, I could, I, it could happen tonight. Rapture of the church could happen tonight. It could happen next year. It could happen in 10 years. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I want you to understand that we are closer uh, than we have ever been. And What I want to share with you tonight is important because uh, you and I have to understand the times we're living in. We have to understand that these things are not just coincidences of nature or history. They are the realities of what Jesus spoke of and prophesied. Now, let's go back up to verse 10. And they had just asked Jesus a question. And, uh, well, in, the, in verse 7, they said, Teacher, when... Therefore, will these things happen? And what will be the sign of that these things are about to take place? So Jesus is answering a question about when are these things going to take place? What will be the culminating hour? And uh, well, how will we know it's coming? <laughs> and he said to them, see to it that you are not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And time, the time is near, and do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and disturbance, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. 
I want you to understand that Jesus is telling us what we're going to see. And he says, number one, you're going to see uh, deception in the earth. A spirit of deception in the earth. Jesús les dice, ellos le preguntan al Señor en el verso 7, ¿cuándo van a ocurrir estas cosas? ¿Cuáles son las señales de que eso se acerca? Él dice, primero van a ver un espíritu de decepción. Tell your neighbor, do not be misled. Y'all ever heard of fake news? ¿Cuántos han oído de noticias falsas? There's going to be a fake news operation in the world. Guess what? It's already at work. Este espíritu de decepción ya está operando en el mundo. And I want you to keep your place in Luke, but look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. I'm going to give you the verses on the screen if I can get uh, help back there. And you look at and compare what I'm talking about here. This, this is what... First uh, John chapter 4 verse 3 says it says every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God this is the spirit of antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world that's what Jesus is talking about when he says there will be these uh, deceptive and misleading voices It's coming from a spirit. It's called the spirit of Antichrist. Now, here's the fact. Uh, people like to talk about when is the Antichrist coming? Is he already born? Is he already in the earth? Have I met him? Uh, how does he part his hair? None of that really matters. What, need, what you need to know is this, because here's the, here's the reality. You'll be gone before he comes into power. The rapture of the, curse will, uh, the, rapture of the church will occur first. But, The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. That's Satan. The deceiver. The Bible says he was a liar from the beginning. Muchos buscan el anticristo. Quieren saber cómo se peina, dónde vive, todas estas cosas. No se preocupe por eso. Usted lo que tiene que saber es que el espíritu de anticristo ya está en el mundo. Es un espíritu de decepción. And here's what you're going to see in, the, in these days. You're going to see two floods taking place. There are going to be people coming to God and people abandoning their faith. Usted va a ver dos fuentes ocurriendo. Un, un río de personas viniendo a Cristo y otro río de personas abandonando su fe. And tell me if within the last five years you haven't heard of nationally known voices, Christian voices, who turn around and said, I'm no longer a Christian. I no longer believe in Jesus. Now what I want you to see is that uh, these are not just isolated incidents. You start stacking them all up together and we're starting to see them happening in the same period of history, in the same period of time. What's your job? Do not be misled. ¿Cuál es tu trabajo? Que nadie te engañe. No dejes ser engañado. How can I avoid being misled? You need to be a student of the Bible like you've never been a student of the Bible before. Usted tiene que ser un estudiante de la Biblia como jamás ha sido estudiante de la Biblia. You've got to get to know the word. Tiene que conocer la palabra. They say that in order to train uh, the agents who find counterfeit money, 
how to find counterfeit money, they train them by studying the authentic uh, currency. They don't study fakes. They study the authentic. And when you know the authentic, you'll spot the fake. That's why you've got to know your Bible. That's why I want you to carry a book called the Bible, not just a cell phone. You know, it's never happened while I was reading the Bible that I got a text message and it interrupted me. Never happened for some reason. But I want you to understand, we've got to know this book. We've got to know this so that you're not saying, you know, I read it somewhere. I, I don't know who said it. Maybe it was in the Bible. You've got to be able to go chapter and verse and know your Bible. Because this, this age of deception is ever increasing in the nations. And, and here we see that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And John is saying this, so this has been taking place for a long time. So I want you to understand a couple of things. The Antichrist, when he comes, he's going to operate in three primary ways. Number one, the fear of death. You do what I say or you die. Tell me if you haven't heard the voice of the fear of death in the last few years. Of course. Number two, he's going to operate through the fear of lack. Financial systems are going to be controlled by the Antichrist. And he is going to operate uh, with the mark of the beast saying no one can buy or sell without the mark of the beast, uh, without the Antichrist's permission, in other words. What does that mean? That means that people won't be able to have a job. They won't be able to cash a check. They won't be able to pay their iTunes account, Lord forbid. They won't be able to pay for Netflix. Won't be able to buy bread, no Starbucks, without that mark, without that code. Now, you just understand that what we're seeing in our world, the, the, over, the takeover of technology is setting up the world. Because you just tell people they're not going to have a cell phone signal, they start to panic. That's going to be one of the means by which he controls the world. And then number three will be anti-Semitism, the hatred for the Jewish people. The Antichrist is going to do the same thing Adolf Hitler did in trying to annihilate the, the nation of Israel. Listen, you take those three things tonight and you understand they're already in the world. You already see the fear of death being used uh, against people to get people to do the things that governments want them to do. We're going to see the uh, increased fear of lack and the in increased uh, surrender of people's freedoms in order to have government control of their lives. And then we're going to see, and we are seeing right now, an increase of anti-Semitism, hatred toward the nation of Israel. Do not be deceived. No se ha engañado. Tres cosas van a ocurrir. Rápidamente son... Primero, que el anticristo va a usar la, el temor de la muerte. Si no, si no haces lo que yo quiero, vas a morir. Ese temor ya está operando fuerte en el mundo. Lo vimos durante la pandemia. Luego va a usar la, el temor de la escasez. Si no, si no tiene la marca de la bestia, no puedes comprar, vender, no puedes uh, pagar biles, no puedes comprar comida, no puedes tener trabajo, todo eso... Va a depender del anticristo. Ahí está el control de los gobiernos, cual estamos viendo más y más cada día. Y finalmente va a haber una, una 
un odio de la nación de Israel y del pueblo judío. So what did Jesus say? Back in Luke now, verse 8, he said, Do not be misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is near. Don't go after them. Listen, don't go chasing after every voice. You have to know the voice of God. Number two, he says, you will hear of wars and disturbances. Matthew says it will be wars and rumors of wars. Now, there's always been wars in the world. There have always been wars in in history, and there have been many wars uh, even in our lifetime. What, what I want you to see is that they're stacking together. You have the spirit of deception, and then you have the outbreak of war. And right now, uh, there are two major conflicts playing out in the stage of the world. And you remember, if you think back to, to uh, the Ukraine situation, that for Weeks before Russia invaded, it was rumors of war. They're going to invade, they're going to invade, they're going to invade, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And uh, now uh, we see that war finally uh, it playing out. And then uh, now in the nation of Israel. Now what's, what's going on in Israel is Israel is at war with a terrorist organization that has, uh, that has a singular purpose of destroying the nation of Israel. It's called Hamas. And to its north, it has another a terrorist organization called Hezbollah with the same mission. Imagine if your neighbors had one goal, that was to kill you and wipe your memory from the face of the earth. That's the nation of Israel. We hear the rumors. What if Iran comes in? What if, uh, what if, what if, what if? Now, I believe that we are possibly seeing the beginning of the Third World War. I don't believe that that necessarily means that that's the war uh, that the Bible speaks of final battle. But we are definitely seeing the beginning of a, of a conflict that could change the face of the earth. Listen, if you think about World War II, I don't know how much you know about history, but prior to World War II, America was not a superpower. The greatest power on the earth was Britain. But after World War II, the United States emerged, and there was a change in the way the world worked, the world operated. The dollar became supreme. And listen, if these conflicts continue, the aim is to, to remove America from power and establish other powers, other currencies uh, that will govern the world. You and I may very well see that before the rapture of the church. And so we have to be praying for our nation. We have to be praying for our leadership. Now here's one of the things that I have mentioned to you before and it kind of makes people a little bit uncomfortable, but I think that America is under the wrath of God because no nation can live the way we're living and allow immorality the way it's allowed without coming under God's wrath. Now, I've mentioned to you there are two types of wrath. There's active wrath and there's passive wrath. Active wrath is when God comes down with lightning bolts and fire and thunder and uh, burns the place up like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. But I believe we're seeing the passive wrath of God. That's where God simply takes a step back and says, your will be done. If you don't want my blessing, if you don't want my help, then your will be done. And if you look at, uh, just stay there and look, but look on your screen. Go to Isaiah chapter 3, and 
Verse 1, this is one of the judgments that came upon the nation of Israel. He said, Behold, the Lord God of hosts is going to remove from Jerusalem and from Judah both supply and support, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water, the mighty man and the warrior, the judge, the prophet, the diviner, and the elder. This is God's passive wrath. God simply says, I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm going to stop sending you prophets. I'm going to stop giving you prophetic of, uh, messages. I'm going to stop sending you righteous leaders. And that's going to be the loss of your supply and support. Listen, the, the, the blessing of a nation does not rest upon its economy. It does not rest upon its uh, political system. It rests upon the voice of God being heard by the people and having a pulpit full of the, vo of the word of the living God. And America has disregarded that voice. So what happened to Israel when they did the same thing? He said the captain of filth uh, and, the, uh, and honorable, uh, the, the, the captain of 50 and the honorable men, the counselor and the excerpt artisan and the skillful enchanter. And I will make mere lads their princes and capricious, capricious uh, children will rule over them. Here's what God says there in, in verse 3. I'll take away their military might. Their military wisdom, I'll remove their counselor and their inventor. Take away the wisdom I've given them. When a nation experiences wisdom in its technology, wisdom in its industry, wisdom in its military, it is a gift of God. When we reject God, those things are removed. And listen to what he said. He said, I'll give you capricious children to rule over you. How many times have we thought in the last four years, it's like, like listening to kids over there in Washington. It's like having four-year-olds running the government. And no one can get along. And, and, and you've got to realize, you know, don't get caught up in all of the talk radio stuff. You've got to realize this is a sign of God's wrath on a nation. When they lose their leadership, because they won't listen to God. What happens to the people? A people will be oppressed. Each one by another. And one by his neighbor. And the youth will storm against the elder. And the inferior against the honorable. And a man lays hold of his brother. In his father's house saying. You have a cloak. You shall be our ruler. And these ruins will be. Un and these ruins will be under your charge. Now, the good news is that America still has a remnant. Say amen, somebody. Now, the reason I want you to understand this, this fact this, morning, this evening is this. The wrath of God can be stopped. The rapture of the church, you can't stop it. The tribulation, you can't stop it. But the wrath of God on a nation can be stopped. How do you stop it? You ask for mercy. You ask God to have mercy. And here's what God's looking for when he looks at a nation. He doesn't look to see if the heathen or the Gentile or the lost are praying. He looks to see for his people. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And uh, will repent of their sins. And turn from their evil ways. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Say amen, somebody. 
So you have a tremendous responsibility. Every righteous person in the land has a tremendous responsibility to seek the face of God on behalf of this nation. And I believe that America can still see a third great awakening and that America can still see its government restored and healed and its military restored to might and power and its economy made sound and its church made alive with fire and with power. But you and I must be praying for our nation. And say, as the psalmist said, in wrath, remember mercy. God says he will remember mercy. He said you will see wars and disturbances. You see these shiftings of nations and what we're seeing here that I've just described. What should you do? He said, do not be terrified. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Tell them again, don't be afraid. Some of you are afraid to read the book of Revelation. Don't be afraid. Cuando usted vea estas, estas cosas que, que molestan a las naciones, no, que no te dé miedo. He's talking again here about this, don't give in to the spirit of Antichrist. Fear. Don't be afraid. He says there, don't be terrified. These things must take place. No, que no tengas miedo. No, no operes en ese temor. Estas cosas tienen que suceder primero. They're going to happen. They have to happen. He says, then he continued saying, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes. In various places, plagues and famines. And there will be terror there will be great signs from heaven. How many of you saw the ring of fire last, last week? Come on, you, it's okay if you saw it. It's like, no, pastor, you could go blind. Okay. Listen to what Jesus said. The nations are going to start changing. There's going to be upheaval. But then the, the earth is going to change. The earth is going to start a giving way to the burden of the curse that's upon it. The book, of, uh, the book of Romans speaks of this fact. And it says that the, uh, the earth is, is groaning. It's, it's like, a, like a woman in childbirth going through groans, going through trouble, through travail. Because when God placed a curse upon man, he also placed the curse upon the earth. And uh, the Bible tells us these things so that we can understand that we are we're, we're living in an age like a pregnancy that's getting closer to a climax, a moment of certainty, a moment of decision. When you see these things, the Bible says like birth pains. So we're seeing uh, those birth pains, they come at first, they come and they're far apart. And I expect that we will see seasons, and we have seen. The pandemic was a, like a birth pain, and then there was some quiet for a while, and then another upshoot, and then there will be quiet again. But as we get closer to the end, then they will become more consistent. And Jesus tells us here what we're going to see. He says it's going to be earthquakes. We've seen, of course, terrible earthquakes in the last few months and in the last few years. 
plague. We all went through a plague. How many of you remember the COVID experience? How many of you remember thinking it's like the end of the world? You go to Walmart and there's no toilet paper. During that COVID season here in Beville, there were at least three occasions when we went to HEB and there was no food on the shelves. And you thought, what is going on? The earth is changing. And then he says there will be terrors. Sorry, famines. You see of uh, the rise of famine and hunger in the world. And then he says there will be terrors, things that will make people afraid, things that will cause people to, uh, to fear leaving their home, to fear leaving uh, their city, things that will cause people to be afraid of the times. And that's why he tells us, you're the believer. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear intimidate you. Don't let the times intimidate you. You're a child of God. You know that Egypt went through nine, or a total of ten, but nine plagues that were, that were natural, that were of the earth. Plagues like locusts or lice or darkness and so on, uh, uh, frogs and so on. And these things happened to Egypt, and Israel was just a few counties over and did not experience them. And then on the night of the Passover, the scripture says that Israel went into their house, and on the outside in Egypt, the firstborn in every family died, but where they applied the blood, the, the plague could not reach them. The a death angel could not touch them. Say amen, somebody, because you are a child of God. The blessing of God is on your life. And you have the assurance, the confidence that while the world's going downward, you can go upward. And while they are experiencing decrease, you can experience increase. Say amen, somebody. And you will see great signs in the heavens. And we're seeing these great signs in the heavens. I don't think this is talking about the Chinese hot air balloon that went across the country a few weeks ago. But um, I want you to understand this. When you see signs in the heavens, they're always referring to Israel. In the Bible, every time there were signs given, including the earth, the moon or the stars. It's, an, it's a reference to the nation of Israel. Look at verse 25 there. He says there, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on the earth, dismay among nations, and perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves. Now you think, because this is what they tell us, it's global warming. You know, the seas are rising. No, it's not global warming. It's science. The earth is heaving. It is groaning for its deliverance. When you see these things, and you see the spirit of deception, and you see war, it ought to get your attention. Uh-oh. 
It looks different. This is a unique experience. And he says, before, but before all these things, they will lay hands on you and will persecute you. So there will be a rise of persecution against the godly, against the righteous. Listen, we live in the United States of America. But I want you to be aware of the fact that it could just as easily become a nation in which religious liberty is um, severely curtailed. We're already experiencing that. We're already seeing that. It's really, it's, it's, it's really a blessing, though, to, to be in the United States at this moment in time. Because as I told you, there are these two rivers. One river is running from God. It's attacking God. It's, just, it's, uh, it's uh, denying the existence of God. And yet there's another river that's uh, running toward God. And it's hearts of people are being turned to the Lord. And there was a time, listen, when we tried to go into our public schools here. And they wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't let ministry in. You, even, even just in, in, in motivational speakers, nobody would get in. And then one day, they called the church. Pastor, you think you could come? Have some of your people from the church come pray for the school? Same people that closed the door are opening it. So while we can expect to see persecution and the curtailing of religious liberty, we can also expect to see that there will be a turning of men's heart toward Christ. Because he said in the last days, uh, there will be an outpouring of his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams. Listen, church. And he's going to send that latter rain to the church. You and I are going to be the recipients of it. We're going to be the participants of it. That harvest is going to be in your hands. You're the one who's going to bring it into the kingdom of God. So what are we to do with all of these signs? Well, Jesus gives us three reasons why these signs have been given. Jesús nos da tres razones por las señales. Before I read that, just uh, if you would give me a first Peter. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Next time someone wants to talk to you about global warming, just read them this. Uh, pardon, verse, give me verse 6. He says, lift up your eyes. 2 Peter chapter Let's, let's read that, though. First, uh, give me verse 10 again. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in them will be exposed. 
Now, when you, when you think about global warming, that's how they describe it, isn't it? The heavens will pass away with a roar, and heavenly bodies being bur burned up and dissolved. Now go to Isaiah 51, verse 6. And you see there, lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, and earth will wear out like a garment. What did they tell us back in the 90s, at least when I was in school? They said there's a hole in the ozone layer. How many remember that? Well, I found the hole in the ozone layer right here in Isaiah 51. He says, the earth will wear out of the earth beneath, and the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and righteousness will never be dismayed. Say amen, somebody. All right, now let me give you these three reasons for the sign. Number one, Jesus said in verse 13, Luke 21, 13, he said, this will be an opportunity for your testimony. Say that with me, an opportunity for my testimony. You know, even the world knows something's up. Even lost people know. I had a man tell me the other day, he said, he wasn't a, a believer, but he said, man, pastor, it's like the end of the world out there. I said, yeah, these are serious times, aren't they? He said, oh, they're very serious times. What does Jesus say? When those, when those people around you start to realize the times are changed. The times are different. He said, this is an opportunity for your testimony. Not for fake news. Not for conspiracy theories. Not for pushing your political candidate. It's an opportunity for you to proclaim Christ, to preach Christ. People need Jesus. They need to know that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to salvation. This is your opportunity to testify. Doors are opening. Hearts are opening for the gospel. Take advantage of that opportunity to preach the gospel. And then in verse 2, he says, make up your mind. That's the second reason for the sign. So that when you see the signs, you will make up your mind. Tell your neighbor, make up your mind. Listen, if you... If you think you're going to live with God, just one foot in, one foot out, straddle the fence. Whenever you see, whenever you uh, feel like you just get right with God, you need to stop that. You need to make up your mind. If you're going to serve God, serve him now. If you're going to live for God, live for him now. If you're going to preach, preach now. If you're going to worship, worship now. It's time to make up your mind. The play date is over. The games are over. There aren't, there's no gray area anymore. Have you noticed? There are no gray areas anymore. You're either with us or against us. You're either in or you're out. You're either for it or against it. And, and the world is getting drawn into very clear lines. You're either standing with God or you're standing with the world. It's time to make up your mind. And here's what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. The day will come when God will say, he who is filthy will remain filthy. And he who is righteous, let him remain righteous. In other, in other words, the day is going to come when you're going to run out of time 
And if you haven't made up your mind, it'll be too late. If you've made up your mind, say, I've made up my mind. In verse 28, he gives us a third reason for the sign. He says, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your head. Tell your neighbor, straighten up. Listen, it's time to start living right. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but that's because there's a spirit of deception in our world. And just look at all the way the, the enemy has set us up. He's come into the church with, with uh, false teachings and false doctrines and, and gets people to talk about how far can I sin without losing my salvation? How far can I go and still be a Christian? You've got to make up your mind and straighten up already. If you're going to live for God, live for him. These are times of decision. He says, lift up your head. There are four, four things I believe that refers to. Number one, it refers to expectation of the, of the return of Christ, the expectation of the rapture of the church. Tell your neighbor, lift up your head. You and I should be looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus. The Bible says that he will come with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And so we're looking for him. We're, we're lifting up our head to look for him. The Bible says that the rapture is for those who love his appearing. They're looking for him. Lift up your head also means pray. In the Bible, when they went up to Jerusalem, to the house of prayer, they went up. They always said, I'm going up to Jerusalem, even if they were traveling from the south or from the north or from the east or west. It's always up. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. You and I need to be lifting up our head. We need to be looking to God in prayer. We need to lift up our head. It means to walk according to a high calling, a high purpose. There's no time for low living. You have an assignment. You have a calling on your life. I don't know how much time you have left, but you better get after it. Better start pursuing that call. We're going to answer to Christ for the call he's given to us. It won't matter how much money we made or how many uh, wonderful things that we accomplished for ourselves. What's going to matter is did we do the thing he called us to do, that he placed us on the earth to do. It's time to lift yourself, uh, to, to rise up to that calling, to that assignment that God has placed upon your life. You've been called to a higher life. You've been called to more than just repeating what you see on social media and talking about what you hear on the news. You've been called to fulfill an assignment that God designed you to fulfill. He made you specifically for this hour, for this time. It's time to rise up and do that. Number four, to, to lift up refers to generosity. What did I tell you was one of the aspects of the spirit of Antichrist was that the Antichrist is going to use the fear of lack in order to control people. And you and I have to 
cultivate generosity so that we don't give way to the spirit of uh, the fear of lack. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we have God saying this in Deuteronomy 15, 9. He says, and I've, I've taught you about this, he says, if your brother comes and asks you for a loan, do not have a wicked heart. And in the Hebrew, it literally means do not have a low thought. You remember that they canceled their debts every seven years. I remember that because I taught you all that a couple Sundays ago. Humor me, somebody. Say amen. And they come to you on the sixth year of the cycle, and they say, can I have a loan? And you say, uh, it's the sixth year of the cycle. Hey, ese no paga. <laughs> Next year, I'm going to have to forgive him. And God said, don't have a low thought. He said, don't let this low thought come to mind saying, the year of release is at hand, and, my, and your eye will be evil at thy poor brother and give him nothing. If you finish reading that passage, he tells them why. He says, because I am the Lord. You remember that that's not your source. I am your source. And you and I will only break the power of the fear of lack and the power of Antichrist in the area of finances if we cultivate generosity of our spirit toward people, with our time, with our finances. If we look up, when we are generous, we're looking up. When we are stingy, we're looking down. And God says, you, if you're going to survive an age like the one you're living in, you're going to have to become generous and stay in a position of generosity. In a place where you can be useful to God. Because fear will tell you you're not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. El temor te dice, me va a faltar. No voy a tener suficiente. Usted si cultiva ese sentir es un pensamiento bajo. Y el Espíritu de Antecristo va a dominar a través de eso. Pero si usted dice, yo voy a diezmar, yo voy a dar, yo voy a confiar en Dios, yo voy a suplir la necesidad del necesitado, usted tiene esta confianza que yo no puedo, yo no puedo ser quebrado financieramente si estoy honrando a Dios. You'll come to this conclusion. I can't go broke if I'm honoring God. And if I run out of dollars, God will send a hamburger and french fries and a milkshake without any money because he is my source, not man, not my job, not my 401k. Come on, somebody. God is your source. I'll close with this tonight. Matthew 24, 12. Because of the multiplication of wickedness. The love of many will wax cold. This is, this is part of looking up. When we become generous, we, we cover our hearts with, with love. And if, you aren't, if you're not careful about your love walk, you'll become cold. So when you have opportunities to give, give. 
You have opportunities to share, share. You have opportunities to love, love. You have opportunities to forgive, forgive. These are not times for grudges. There's no time for resentments. There's no time for carrying around offenses. This is the time for you to walk in love. To walk in the same generosity of heart and spirit which is in the heart of God. Let's stand together tonight. God has no doubt spoken a number of things tonight. Just begin to respond to those things in your heart by where you are. Just respond to God. Father, I pray over this congregation that they would never have a fear reaction again. When they watch the news, when they see the times, that their reaction would not be fear, but boldness. And that they would become bold in their testimony of Jesus. Father, we respond to the word of God that's been preached tonight. Any area where we have been giving way to fear or to neglect, we repent of that right now in Jesus' name and we make a decision, we make up our mind to walk in nearness with God, to look up. And Father, we pray for America, this nation that you love because it is a nation that has made a covenant with you. This instrument of your gospel Missions throughout the world. This nation that you have blessed. That you have made mighty by your own power. And blessing. We ask, O oh God, in wrath, remember mercy. And one day you were able to take Nebuchadnezzar from lunacy to wisdom again. And we ask, O oh God, that you would restore that same wisdom that fear of the Lord to our government, to our govern governors, those who stand in authority over us. And if they will not repent, if they will not serve you, we ask, oh God, remove them by your power and raise up righteous men like Daniel to serve us and to serve your cause in our days. We lay claim to this precious promise which you have made to the remnant of any nation in any season of history, that if your people would call by your name, who were called by your name, would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways that you would heal. We lay claim to that promise, O oh God. We, the few, are also the mighty because we are your people and we call upon your name in Jesus' name. We lay claim to the promise of revival in America. And you ask, we ask you, O oh God, to send your power and make the church vibrant and alive. We ask you, God, to turn the hearts of the nations to you. And we pray for Israel tonight. You commanded us saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those who love her will prosper and have peace. And we pray tonight for the people of Israel. Lord, we pray that though they have been attacked, that they would heal. And that though they have been wounded, they would rise with might and power. We pray for victory in the land of Israel. We pray for peace against their foes. 
We saw in the Bible how you rescued them from mighty armies. Often by one person you, re you rescued them. We pray, Almighty God, send your angels to defend them and to cause them to rise up in might and in strength. We pray, God, that you would hold off the entrance into this conflict by any other nations that would come against them. And Father, we ask that as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that your peace would reign in the heart and life of